Isn't that beautiful? And can it be? And can it be? Are you happy to be here today? Are you still praying for rain? Say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. We will catch up if it continues like this. And uh, we have uh, so many people absent today, but we pray that the Lord will bring them back some because of the rain, and we pray also that we'll see them next week with us. Today, I want to challenge the church with uh, a message about revival. Do you think in uh, times like these, God can revive his church? I think so. That's why God has been exercising my heart. And can he use one man to start it? I say yes. Which we are going to look at one man today who affected a whole nation. And started a revival in his kingdom. It's the story of a king. If you would like to open with me today to the book of Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles and chapter 34, chapter 34. And for the scholars who are amongst us, this is same story is in Second Kings chapter 22 and 23 too. So, I'm going to read a few verses because uh, I might quote some uh, during the message. The reading is from Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1. I want to read from verse 1 through 7. It's the story of Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he came, became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David, and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Verse 3, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim, the carved images, and the molten images. And they tore down the altars of the Baals in his presence. And in the incense altars that were high above them, he chopped down also the Asherim, the carved images, and the molten images, he broke into pieces and ground to powder and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Then he burned the bones of the priests on their altars and purged Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, even as far as Naphtali up north in their surrounding ruins, he also tore down the altars and beat the Asherim and the carved images into powder and chopped down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. God bless his word. 
What a king. What a man. Just a brief, brief uh, words about him. Josiah was the grandson of Manasseh. One of the wicked kings of Judah, Manasseh. During his reign, the nation was flooded with idolatry and immorality. The worship of Baal was restored in the land that was filled with sorcerers, mediums, and star worshippers. Violence reigned. The temple of God was neglected. The king and the people uh, had heard the prophet's words, but they rebelled against the God of their fathers. Then along came Josiah. It was a mess. The country was in a mess. Then came this king. He was eight years old when he was crowned king. And he reigned 31 years as we read. He was a godly king. And he did what we read. Which I might repeat again during my message. The question for us this morning. Can God... Send a revival to our nation. Can God send a revival to our church? We sang a beautiful song. Revive us again. Have we become stagnant? A little bit. Have we become lazy? Did we neglect our meetings? Did we neglect reading the Bible? Did we neglect our devotions in the family? Did we neglect our responsibilities toward God first? The church and our fellow men and women. We need to examine ourselves. We need to look deep as this king did. I think God can do marvels still in our lives and in our land. We look around. I believe as you, as I, you are, as I am, disappointed at the state of our nation. Yes? No? I am sad that we have reached such a low place in our morals. In our political affiliations. In our worship. In our churches in general. We have been swept by the tide of being politically correct, if I may say that. And trying to please everybody. I might this morning, by the help of the word of God, not please everybody here too. I've decided to stand firm on the word of God. All the time. And I will not change until he comes. Dr. Graham... Scroggy once wrote, Scroggy, excuse me, 
There never has been a spiritual revival which did not begin with an acute sense of sin. We are never prepared for a spiritual advance until we see the necessity of getting rid of that which has been hindering it and that in the sight of God is sin. Then, in view of what we have around us, in view of the state of the church in general, can we, at this, at this junction in our life, have revival in the church of God? And when I looked at the life of this king, I started looking at it, and I found a few points I want to share with you. And I hope we all respond to it positively, not negatively. The very first thing, if you say in your heart, revive us again, if you sang with Dean, all of it, revive us again, you mean it. God, revive me. But in order for God to revive us, we have to look at these few, few points and apply them to ourselves. This king who reigned for 31 years, he was appointed king at the age of eight. And at the age of eight, he didn't have the capacity to reign. But he had good advisors. Had a great secretary. His name is Shaphan. And he always was beside him. He was, and he had a great mother. A great mother. Mothers, young people, please hear me. This mother, and some of you know her name. Her name was Yedaida. She brought him in the fear of the Lord. She taught him the precepts of God. She was there day and night for him. And raised him to be a man of God before being a king. Mothers, I'm talking to you today. It will never fail. The word of God stand above anything else. Bring up your child in the fear of the Lord. And when he grows up, he shall never depart from it. Never. He shall not depart from it. And he grew up, and this is a vivid example, a lively example, to see a man, his mother's name, in Second Kings, chapter 22, first verse. And his mother was Jedida, and she brought him in the fear of the Lord. This is beside the point, but this is an important point, an important point in the life of of this man. Well, how does it start? If we say, I, we need a revival. I need the Lord to revive me. I need the Lord to talk to me. I hope no one sleeps on me this morning. I don't see anybody. You are all awake. Though we have lost one hour, but that's all right. I want to keep you awake. If anybody, if anybody does like this, I'm going to call you by name. No. <laughs> no. Can't do it. Revival, if you are 
If she say, Adel, you're right. I want to start praying for it. I want to be revived. I've been stagnant. It's good to admit that. It starts, it begins first in the heart. And it begins at the top. I cannot stand here and tell you you should ask for a revival. Lord, I need you to revive my life first. Then I can talk to you. We need to be revived. It starts at the top. Where did it start? With the king here. Where did it start? Let me read it. I said, I want to read a few things. And we hear at the very beginning, verse 2, And he did write in the sight of the Lord. At age 18, his mom, at age eight, at age uh, 15, uh, eight and 16, 16, he did write in the, in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David. And did not turn aside to the right nor to the left. Young people at the age of 16 or 17 or 15 or 14. Young people. Young people. Listen to the word of God. Listen to my, your, what your mom is teaching you. Listen what your dad is teaching you. And is how they are living before you and trying to raise you in the fear of the Lord. And what did he do? What did he do? Josiah. He followed in the ways of the Lord. He followed in the ways of his father, four forefathers, David, and all the rest of those godly men went before him. It starts at the top. And the king first saw himself that he needed to get close to God and to honor God. And when you get closer to God, the Lord reveals to you your sin first, your shortcomings, the way you are living, the way you are treating your parents, the way you are treating others, the way you are, whether you are glorifying God in your actions or not. And he started, he started thinking at the age of 16. You know what he did? In the eighth year of his reign, he was eight, and plus eight is sixteen. He was still a youth. He began to seek the God of his father. Oh, for our youth today. Oh, for our young one today, and the rest, to start seeking the Lord of our fathers. To start asking him to take charge of our lives. It begins at the top. I call on Adol and Mike and Bill who has a backache and couldn't come today and all the deacons and the rest of the congregation, young ones and older ones to start seeking the way of the Lord. I hope when we leave this place today we will not forget what we heard and we'll start applying it into our lives. He did something else. He walked the ways of his fathers. He did not decide. He did not repent in his heart. He did not take. He took action. So many times, I promise you, Lord, I am going to please you today. And we went out the door 
And we forget that we needed to do some actions. We needed to live. We needed to apply it to ourselves. We need to live at home. And I speak to the young ones today. You need to apply this at school. You have to go against the tide. I'm sorry to tell you. You cannot be with the tide. You cannot join what is happening in our schools today. And young men, when you go to work, you have to to start living, take action on your life and follow what you have been taught by your father and mother and the church people and go there and apply it and show the world that we are a unique people, a changed generation called to stand for God and to be able to revive the people around us. Are we asleep? Are we joining the crowd? Or are we going against the tide? And this is when we say, Christians today, when Jesus was on earth, did he go against the tide? Did the disciples go against the tide? They persecuted them because they were against the the rotten society they're in. And we today, I am sad to say, you know I love America and I challenge anyone here today that loves America more than I do. But I think our society is getting rotten. I don't like to see it this way. This is, I'm, I'm calling for us to stand up. I'm calling for us to behave like Christians. Enough is enough. The Lord is coming at the door. And politicians are selling their, their goods everywhere. Whether they lie or cheat or whatever they do, they're selling their goods. I'm not buying. Let's live a Christ-like life. Let's honor God. He did not turn aside. Well, Edel, you you should be a little bit lenient. I tell you what. If the Bible tells me I should be lenient with sin, I will. When you find it, give it to me. But today, as I stand, according to the way I understand my book here, that I cannot be lenient with sin. I can be forgiven. I can forgive if we repent. And God promised that. So we are going after God's ways. He did some action. He did not, he did not move. He did not say, well, (coughs) excuse me, I am going to be lenient in this area. Well, hey, these people have built the Asherim, well, a a big statue there, and they are, they have spent so much money, and it's not hurting anybody, I am not going to destroy it. Or these people, this part of people, they don't believe in God, but they have their own religion and I leave them. No. No. We, if we cannot do anything with them, we can live before them. We judge sin as sin. We don't call it weakness and it will go away. 
We worship the only living God, Jesus Christ. Period. There is no other God, by the way. And this is why. He destroyed everything. And I read it to you. He destroyed everything and I enjoyed when I read here that he burned the bones even after, after grounding to powder, verse 4, grounding to powder and scattered it on the grave of those who had sacrificed to them. These are the high places, the Asherim, the Baals, all these, all these places, all these false temples. He ground them to pieces. And guess what? And the priests, he took them, burned their bones on the altars of their statues. He did not, he did not save anyone. He did not do like Samuel of old. That he saved the king and a few things and few cows and few good healthy healthy sheep and said, Why did you when when the prophet said, Why I told you to destroy them all? Why didn't you? He says, What? They're good and they are healthy and we can use them. That's why he lost his throne later on. Because he did not obey God. This man obeyed God. And did he? Affect the nation. Did he affect the nation? The next step he took. He sent his, his secretary Shefan. And told him. Shefan go check. How are things going up in the temple. And they were looking in the temple. To rebuild the temple. And they were looking in the rubbles. He went and uh, saw the chief priest. And says. Hilkiah. How are things going? He said, I, I, I want to tell you something. I found a book, the book of the law. I found it. He said, really? Bring it over. Let's, all, let's take it. The king said, start reading it to me. Start reading it to me. And when the word of God was read to him, you know what happened to the king? I didn't read it, but I'm going to read it to you now. If you have your Bibles open. We are still in the same chapter. Thank you, Alan. Chapter 34, 2 Kings, verse 19. Verse 19. Open your Bible. I'll wait for you so you can go with me. When? Let's take, take it from verse 18. More, moreover, when Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, gave me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. Verse 19. And it came about when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. He tore up his clothes. This is a sign of repentance, folks. This is a sign of God's word doing its work inside the heart of the king. He had an open heart. Remember, he was brought up in the fear of God. And when the word of God tapped on his, on his heart, knocked on his heart, it came in 
And he was, he said, I am guilty as sin. And he tore up his clothes. And he continued, he says, he commanded the chief priest and the son of Shaphan. And all of them say, go inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book which has been found. For great is the wrath of God which is poured out on us because our fathers have not observed the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. A question I'd like to ask you. Where is the Bible today in our nation? From the top, the president, all the way to us here. Where is the Bible today? Is it on some shelves? Where is the Bible in our homes today? Is it that big Bible that has all the, when you were born, when your sons were born and so on, and put in the middle there, and you have to every now and then, and dust it? Or is it the word in our hearts, like this word? Where is the word of God in our nation? Where is the word of God in our government? Where is the word of God today in our school? Where is the word of God today in every church of the nation? I have heard to my regret, and everyone's, uh, I believe, regrets this with me, that there are some churches today, they have, they preach, but they never mention the name of Jesus. Where is the word of God? Nothing convicts like the word of God. Nothing brings fruit like the word of God. It's, it's a two-edged sword. And it never fails. Are you praying for revival? Is there any sin that is buried in our lives and hidden? No one knows about except you and God, and you did not confess it yet. This king brought the nations to its knees. Because it started with him first. And he was an example to the whole nation. And we ought to do that ourselves. We need revival. You need to see these seats full. You need to see those sick ones who are home today come back. And come back revived. We need to look inside ourselves. And ask Lord God to forgive us. And this is when... The time when the king started doing this and started looking and taking action in the life of the nation. He took many actions. I'm talking now about the spiritual side. One day I'll preach to you what he did to the nation. He brought the nation to life in every other area. But Christians, if you are praying, let's start with ourselves. 
Let's start with our households. With our own families. And this is the first step toward revival. Admit that we have sinned. When Solomon stood before God to pray for the nation. And he said that wonderful, great prayer. Great prayer for the nation. He says, if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And there's one thing more. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will hear their land. And then the revival will come. A revived nation. Can this happen? Yes. Someone asked the great evangelist, Jim C. Smith, how can we have revival? Please listen to this. The wise old preacher replied, take a piece of chalk, draw a circle on the floor, easy so far, then step inside the circle and pray, Lord, send a revival inside the circle. When people look at us, what do they see? Christians, I challenge you, what do they see? Would they say, this is a woman of God? Is this a man of God? This is what we need today. Let's do it. A choke. Stand in there. And I do hope that every church in our land, regardless of how big or small, need to listen to the word of God. And act accordingly. Let's start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Enough of lukewarm Christianity, please. And watered down teaching. We try to please the crowd. And stand at the door was a good message. I'd like to hear, I'm convicted. I want God to change my life. I want to be revived so I can revive my family and my church. Enough essays. Today from the pulpits in the nation. And I'm not criticizing. I read about that. I heard about it. In the pulpits of our nations. We have essays on philosophy. Essays on psychology. Essays on man's opinion and courting men and trying to how to live with men. Let me tell you one thing. When you live with Christ, you can live with any man under the sun. A man of God. It starts here. A man of God is not supposed to please men and gain popularity. He is to represent the truth found in the holy book and teach it. And that what we try to do.
A fight in, is going on. Trust me on this. At this hour, for our survival as Christians, and let me challenge you, and the survival of our nation. Because it is a Christian nation. We don't want to say it was. It starts here. It starts in our church. We are either followers of Christ and his book, or followers of men and their false teaching. That's what we need to decide on. Our pulpits should and must be totally dedicated. Listen to me. Our pulpits should, must be totally dedicated to the word of God and nothing else. Our lives should project the Savior, the Savior, Jesus Christ, and nothing else. Our actions should be according to the word of God and nothing else. And this, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, will lead to a great revival. Do you believe that? I read a page written by Bishop William Anderson. And it convicted me. I want to read it. And he titled it, When Will We Have Revival? When? He said, when Christians wear out more carpets around the family altar than around the dressing table. Am I clear on that? When Christians wear out more rubber tires calling on needy homes than they wear out on pleasure trips. When Christians stop bickering over little things and have fellowship in the spirit of divine love. When dad stays home, he wrote it some time ago, from the club and lodge. When mother stays away from the amusement places and parties, etc. When the radio and TV are turned off long enough for the entire family to tune in on God, then we shall have revival. When preachers preach the word of God rather than their own teaching of philosophy and opinions of men. When churches quit trying to hold together by means of entertainment and worldly music. When the fox all get back in one accord. Rather than discord, then we shall have revival. In genuine humility, he says, and submission, let us seek God's face. We must save our homes, our churches, our country. When he addressed the nation, And they rebuilt. That was torn. The king went to the temple. And called for the whole nation to come with him. And listen to what he says. 
the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant written in the book. Moreover, he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand with him. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Finally, he removed all the abominations from all the lands belonging to the sons of Israel and made all, all the nations who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God throughout his lifetime, they did not turn from following the Lord God of their fathers. You want revival? Let's set the examples. Let's live it. Let's take action in our lives. Do you want God to fill this place with souls? It starts with us. Repent of our sins. Live for God. And do not turn neither right nor left and follow through. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayers. I'm not asking for anybody to lift up their hand or say, who is going to make a covenant? Who is going to decide? No. This is between you and God. This is what the world, the Lord wants you to do, is to Renew your fellowship with him. Repent if there's any sin. Repentance is, is required to begin with. Confess our sins. And let's return from our wayward ways. And let's follow the Lord. Our Father, we pray that this message will be your message to our hearts. Help us, convict us. And then bless this church and bless our land, Lord. We need to see a revival in these evil days that we're living in. Help us to be the examples to take some actions and be always the salt of this earth and the light of this world. We remember those who couldn't make it today, those who are ill. Heal them, bring them back to us safely. We pray that you dismiss us with your blessing in your wonderful name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen.